Thank you for that beautiful song. Please take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 23. This is one of the most requested psalms uh, that I get for funerals, and it's perfectly understandable why that is, because it brings such solace, it brings such reassurance in times of grief and loss. Here in Psalm 23, we read a testimony of David, a testimony of God's goodness and grace, and, and he writes it with such beautiful, vivid, pastoral imagery. He describes God's comforting presence, even through the valley of grief. He gives us hope that we will be at home, we will dwell forever in God's presence. As one historian noted of this psalm, it has sung courage to the army of the, of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the hearts of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching grief, of orphans in their loneliness. J. Vernon McGee described Psalm 23 as brief, not the language of philosophy, not the language of theology. It is not a legal or scientific document. It is sublimely simple and simply sublime. I love that. Psalm 23 holds a wealth of truth for every day of our lives, not just when we're dealing with, with times of, of grief or when we're facing death. It, it paints a powerful, beautiful portrait of God as our good shepherd, our gracious host, who leads his people through every circumstance, through every season of life. Psalm 23 has also been called the song of the old shepherd because David wrote this late in his life. He's writing this psalm from a reflecting back on a life well lived, a life full of experience, full of the, the ups and downs, the twists and turns, the ins and the outs, a life that had its dry spells as well as its times of abundance. The old king on his throne never forgot the shepherd boy out in his fields. And now he's looking back over the varied seasons of life, reflecting on them as a sheep who's been well cared for by his shepherd. It's a psalm of praise, confidence, trust. Psalm 23 is rare among the psalms because there's not a single complaint or a single lament or even a request. Not a single petition. It's only a psalm of contentment in the care of the shepherd. Let's read it again. You heard it on the video. Let's read it again. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David begins this psalm with a confession of faith. And that's what I want us to focus on today. There in verse 1. David confesses two truths about his relationship with God. He tells us who the Lord is to him and what benefit he has received from this relationship with God. The first half of the verse is a positive statement. The Lord is. It's a declaration of faith and trust in the Lord God of Israel. And the second half of the verse is a negative self-description. 
I am not. The Lord is, I am not. Based on his declaration, David deduces the benefit of having this relationship with God. So I want us to look at both of these statements and discover how we can find, how we can find contentment in the care of our shepherd. So the first statement, the first confession is the Lord is my shepherd. And here we see first the identity of the shepherd. He is the Lord. Now, whenever you look in your Bible, and if you look at Psalm 23, if it's like my Bible, it's Lord in all caps. And the O-R-D maybe is a little smaller than the L, but it's all caps. Anytime you see that in your Bible, that is the Hebrew word Yahweh or Jehovah. Jehovah is just a more Latin pronunciation, but Yahweh. Uh, in, in Hebrew, there are no vowels, and so you'll often see it just uh, Y-H-W-H. And this is the Hebrew name of God. It's the, it's the name that God has revealed about Himself. It's based on the Hebrew word that means to be. The word is. God's name is based on the word is, which is why you'll see it spelled out as being I am who I am, or I am that I am. I will be what I will be. It means that God is. He simply is. He has no beginning. He has no maker. He has no one that He answers to. He is the sovereign, self-sustaining creator of the cosmos. He has no equal. And as we focus on the shepherd's psalm, it's interesting to me to remember who God first revealed this name to. Do you remember who it was? It was Moses at the burning bush. And who was Moses at the time God revealed His covenant name to him? He wasn't any longer a prince of Egypt. He wasn't yet the leader of the Exodus. What was Moses doing? Anybody? He was a shepherd. He was tending his father-in-law's sheep out in the wilderness in Midian. And that's when God spoke to him and called him to become the under-shepherd of his people Israel, to rescue them from bondage in Egypt and to lead them into that promised land, the land of milk and honey. So I want us to focus for just a minute on who the Lord is. What is the identity of our shepherd? Well, he is first of all our creator. The Lord is our creator. He brought all things into existence from the farthest galaxy to the smallest subatomic particle. He brought order to all the chaotic powers of the cosmos. He created a universe that we can observe, a universe that's, 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 that's guarded and guided by absolute scientific laws and principles. It's an ordered universe, connected in ways that we're not even, I mean, we're just beginning to understand. As Philip Keller reflected in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, and I've been reading that book in preparation for this sermon series, he writes about the profound implications of the Lord being our Creator that 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 has for our relationship with Him. He writes this, I am basically bound to admit that His ownership of me as a human being is legitimate simply because it is He who brought me into being. And no one is better able to understand or care for me. Is that true? That is so true. Psalm 100 makes the connection between this idea of the Lord as our Creator, who has absolute authority and ownership over us, who understands us and and cares for us better than anyone else. He connects that to the idea of the Lord our Shepherd. In Psalm 103, he said, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. 
We are His people. The what? The sheep of His pasture. He's the one who made us. He is our Creator. And He is our Shepherd. Not only is He our Creator, but He is also our Savior. The Lord is the God who established the nation of Israel. He he rescued them from bondage in Egypt through the ten plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and the destroying of Pharaoh's army. Keller goes on to write, in a second very real and vital sense, I truly belong to Him simply because He has bought me again at the incredible price of His own laid down life and shed blood. So as the Creator, the Lord our Shepherd has authority over us and as our Savior, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have been purchased at such a high cost. The very life of our shepherd was laid down on the cross for us. And so we are no longer our own. We've been bought with the price. We belong to the Lord. Once again, Isaiah makes this connection between the Lord as our Savior and this sheep and shepherd motif. He says in Isaiah 53, 6, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And we're going to look at this in a little bit, but Jesus said that He was that good shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. He is the shepherd who took the wounds, the beatings, the punishment, the stripes that we deserved so that by His wounds we might be healed. Our iniquity was laid upon Him and He paid that price that we might know the mercy and the grace of God. So Jesus who is our good shepherd, is also the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And finally, the Lord is our sustainer. The Lord is the God who not only created the world and set Israel free, but He's the one who brought Israel to the promised land. He's the one who gave them water from a rock, gave them manna to eat in the desert. He protected them from their enemies. He gave them the law and He established the throne of David. And the Lord still lays Himself out for us daily. Jesus is ever interceding on our behalf with the Father. He's ever guiding our steps by His Spirit and the Word. He is ever working on our behalf. Paul described Jesus as the Lord who is our Creator, Savior, and Sustainer in Colossians 1. Listen to Colossians 1, 15-20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. So He not only created all things, but He sustains all things. And He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything He might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things. He's the Savior. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Amen. Amen. To say that the Lord is your shepherd is to confess that you're a sheep. (laughs) That you're helpless. That you're in need of being shepherded. And that God 
our Creator, our Savior, our Sustainer, that He is the one you rely on, not yourself, not anyone or anything else, but it is the Lord that you need to shepherd your life. That's the identity of the shepherd. He is the Lord. And then he goes on to tell us the reality of the shepherd. The Lord is. Now, there's definitely a play on words here because Yahweh is. I am who I am is. It's, it's, it's not maybe good English structure there, right? But it's a, it's a neat play on words. The Lord's presence and activity in David's life is a certain and present reality. David doesn't say the Lord was my shepherd or the Lord will be my shepherd. Or maybe the Lord might someday be my shepherd. No, he says the Lord is my shepherd. This is a confident statement of a present reality. This isn't just hopefulness. It's not just wishful thinking. David is telling us something that is now and forever will be true of God. And as we work through this psalm, until we get to that very last verse, you'll notice that all of the verbs in this psalm are present tense verbs. Throughout this psalm, David lists all the ways in which the Lord is now caring for him and for us in each and every season of life. You know, God has been active in human history. The whole Old Testament is the story of how God has been active in Israel's history. But here David says, he's active in my history. God isn't just someone who did something once upon a time. No, He's active in my life today. We don't worship a God of yesterday or of tomorrow alone. We worship the God of today. As Jesus said, He is the God of the living, not the dead. And this isn't just a future hope. It's not just a reflection on the past. This is something that is true right here and now in the present. God is... Period. He is. That's the reality of our shepherd. And then David tells us something about the intimacy of the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now the idea of God being Israel's shepherd is found throughout the Old Testament. Shepherds, as Ben said, shepherds were a common sight in the Middle East. Abel, remember, was the very first shepherd in the Bible. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they were all shepherds. Jacob's 12 sons were all shepherds. Remember, they're out there tending uh, tending, uh, Jacob's flock when Joseph went looking for them. Moses was a shepherd for about 40 years. So it's no wonder that God liked to use this very vivid picture of his relationship with Israel. And we're going to look a little bit at that a little bit more in a second. But God is usually described as the shepherd of Israel, of the people. But here, David makes it personal. God isn't just the shepherd of the world in some generic sense. He's not just the shepherd of Israel in a, in a communal sense. He is David's shepherd in a very personal sense. It, it's almost like David is boasting. You could read the Hebrew this way. But David says, the Lord, he's my shepherd. You know, kind of like if you, somebody, you've got, you got a friend that you're real proud of, and you're like, hey, yeah, that, that's my friend. Or, or when your child does something really good, you're like, that's my girl, or that's my boy. You know, David is saying, the Lord... He's my shepherd. He's proud. He's boasting. And and, and in a way, David is also saying that if the Lord was nobody else's shepherd, he's my shepherd. He looks after me. He cares for me. Not just the people in general, but me specifically. He protects me. He preserves me. 
He leads me. He guides me. He's my creator. He's my savior. He's my sustainer. As Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Jesus knows his sheep by name. He calls to them and they follow because they know his voice. He's their shepherd. Like the video Ben mentioned, I I watched that video. It's pretty neat. Ben, do me a favor. Share the link of that video in the comments under the worship service on Facebook. Okay, so if you guys want to go after the service and watch that video, it's a pretty neat video to watch. In his book, Psalm 23, The Song of a Passionate Heart, David Roper describes this intimate relationship between sheep and shepherd. He says this, Ancient shepherds knew their sheep by name. They were acquainted with all their ways, their peculiarities, their characteristic marks, their tendencies, their idiosyncrasies. Back then, shepherds didn't drive their sheep. They led them. At the shepherd's morning call, a distinctive guttural sound, each flock would rise and follow its master to the feeding grounds. Even if two shepherds called their flocks at the same time and the sheep were intermingled, they never followed the wrong shepherd. And it's amazing, in that video, these other people are making that sound okay, that the shepherd taught them. The sheep don't even lift up their head. They don't even look at them. I mean, they completely ignore these people. But the minute that farmer starts to give that call, you see him stop eating. And then one by one, they pop up their heads and they look at him. And then they start to move toward him. And then there's just a rush and they're following him around the field. It's an amazing thing. By calling the Lord his shepherd, David describes his relationship with God as something that's immensely personal and intimate. He has a unique specific relationship with the Lord, the God that he knows is at work in his life, the God that he knows knows him and sees him and follows him, knows wherever he is and cares deeply about him. And you know what? That's true for you. That's true for every believer. God is present and actively at work in your life today by his indwelling spirit. And he wants you to experience His presence and His power in your life. God longs to have a relationship with you. He longs for you to know Him, to love Him, to trust Him. And the next word describes that kind of relationship that God wants. Shepherd. That's the relationship He wants with you. He wants to be your shepherd. That word shepherd tells us the responsibilities of the shepherd. You know, David here, he's hearkening back to his youth, this very familiar metaphor to describe how God has always been there for him. I mean, David knew all about what a good shepherd was. David was a shepherd. And the rest of this psalm is going to unpack this metaphor, detailing the responsibilities that God has assumed upon himself as a shepherd who loves and provides for and protects and guides his sheep. But this morning... I want us to look for a moment at the larger context of Psalm 23 to discover three ways the Bible describes the Lord as our shepherd. Uh, You noticed our Old Testament reading. When when Jay started to read that, you might have thought, oh no, that's a mistake. David's preaching on Psalm 23, not 22, right? Somebody out here thought that, I'm sure. But Psalms 22, 23, and 24 have often been called the shepherd's psalms. Okay, And Psalm 22 is a messianic psalm that reveals to us the good shepherd. The good shepherd is in Psalm 22. This psalm amazingly, accurately predicts 
hundreds of years before the Roman Empire even came about, it's amazing how accurately it predicts Roman crucifixion. When you read Psalm 22, it sounds like it was written by somebody who was there the day Jesus was crucified. It predicts the events surrounding Jesus that day. John 10, 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, just as what is described in Psalm 22. Jesus also fulfills what Ezekiel prophesied. Listen to what Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 34, 11 through 16. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them. From all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness, I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel and in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture. And the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will be fed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. The sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Notice that there in verse one or in verse eleven of that, that first verse, Ezekiel says that the Lord, the good shepherd, doesn't look down on lost sheep. He doesn't criticize the sheep for getting lost. He looks for the lost sheep. He searches for them. He longs to rescue them, to find them, to bring them back. And when he does, then the great shepherd continues to look after the sheep. He looks for the sheep. And then he looks after the sheep. And that's what we see described next in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 has been called the psalm of the great shepherd. Psalm 22 is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Psalm 23 is the great shepherd who looks after the sheep. That phrase, looks after, suggests a careful examination of each sheep. Our shepherd knows each of us. He knows our condition. He knows our needs. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our tendencies to wander and to get into trouble. And our shepherd promises to do what no one else can do. He comes to seek and save the lost. He comes to bind up our wounds, to heal our hurts, to strengthen our weak places, to meet our needs. Hebrews 13, 20-21 says, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May He equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's what Psalm 23 is describing with this pastoral imagery. It describes our good and great shepherd equipping us with everything we need that we may do His will. He is working on us so that He can work through us to do what is pleasing to Him. Or Psalm 23 says, He leads us down the right paths for His namesake. Our Shepherd, our Lord, Jesus Christ, 
has a shepherd's heart that beats with love unimaginable for his sheep. He has shepherd eyes that watches us and he sees our every need. He sees our every movement. He sees us when we start to wander and stray. He has a shepherd's faithfulness and strength who will always go after the lost sheep. He'll always go after us when we wonder to turn us back around. And He'll be there to defend us from the wolves and to rescue us from the lion who is prowling about seeking those He may destroy. And He has a shepherd's tenderness. Picking us up when we're tired and worn out and can't take another step. Carrying us in His arms. Binding up our wounds. But before we can know Him as the great shepherd, we have to know Him as the good shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. Charles Spurgeon said, We must by experience know the value of the blood shedding and see the sword awakened against the shepherd before we shall be able to truly know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. I pray this morning that you've been awakened to the great price that the good shepherd paid for you. The Lamb of God whose blood was poured out on Calvary's cross that you might be forgiven and made new. And I pray that if you have not come to know Him here in a few moments at the invitation... You would come and cast your sins at His feet, that you would come and let Him bind up your wounds and make you whole. Let Him take away your guilt and your shame and welcome you into His flock. He laid down His life for you so that you could know Him and follow Him and experience that shepherd's heart for you, His lost sheep. See, when we trust in the cross of the Good Shepherd then we can enjoy the crook of the great shepherd. We can experience his guiding and guarding presence in our lives as he leads us and feeds us. And then someday, because we know the cross and the crook, we'll know the crown of the chief shepherd. And that's what Psalm 24 is about. He's the chief shepherd. It takes us from the cross of Christ to the daily cares of Christ to the future crown of glory when Jesus will reign forevermore over all the earth. Psalm 24 is a royal psalm. It looks forward to the coming of the great King of glory, the Lord to whom all the earth belongs. And here in Psalm 24, the chief shepherd is victorious. He's defeated all of his enemies. He's delivered his flock safely into the promised land. Those enemies of Psalm 22 that Jay read about, the strong bulls that surround the roaring lions tearing at their prey, the villains encircling and attacking him like a pack of dogs, those enemies have been defeated. And we, his sheep, are safe. We get to share in that victory. We get to share in that royal inheritance as Peter writes in 1 Peter 5, 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. With all our enemies defeated, we'll be able to sit at His table and feast with Him and live in His house forevermore. You know, a shepherd has authority over his sheep and a shepherd has compassion for his sheep. And for this reason, David can trust in and surrender to the Lord. And because of that, because of that first confession, the Lord is my shepherd, David can make this second confession. I shall not be in want. I shall not want. Now, that seems like quite a promise, doesn't it? I shall not want. I mean, to never be in want, to want for nothing. I mean, that's everybody's dream, right? But we do have our wants, don't we? We all have wants. And we get a little confused by this word want. 
You know, when, when Ben quoted it, he used a, a great word, I shall not lack. Okay, that's what the Hebrew word here means. It means to, to lack nothing in an absolute sense. It's not want, like we think of wants versus needs. It actually means needs. I know it's a little confusing. But when it says, I shall not want, it means I shall not need a thing. I shall lack nothing, none of the necessities of life. And he doesn't just mean the temporal necessities, not just our daily bread. He's talking about eternal, spiritual things. The deeper things of life that all people long for and search for. And David doesn't say that he has never wanted. And he doesn't say that he doesn't want. He says, I shall not want. That's a choice. That's a confession. That's a statement of faith. What David is saying is no matter what season in life, no matter what life may throw my way, be it famine or calamity or even death, nothing can deprive me of the blessings of having the Lord as my shepherd. Nothing can take away what my shepherd does for me. Now, the seeming irony of this statement, that I shall lack nothing, is also the beauty and the power of it. Because what's David comparing himself and us to in this psalm? We are what? Sheep. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are prone to get lost. Sheep are in need of constant care. They have no defense mechanism. They cannot provide for themselves. But here's the beauty. When even the most defenseless, helpless, needy sheep has a good and great shepherd watching over him, guess what? He lacks nothing. He lacks nothing, not because of himself, not because of what he can do, but because of who his shepherd is. And this is the kind of shepherd who led Israel through the wilderness to the promised land. Listen to Deuteronomy 2.7. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. Psalm 34.10. The lions may grow weak and hungry. The lions, but the sheep, those who seek the Lord, what? Lack no good thing. And in Jesus we find that promise fulfilled as Paul writes in Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. The result of having the covenant God of Israel as our shepherd is that we shall not want... And David confesses that because God perfectly provides and sustains and guides and guards His people, we will lack nothing of worth or value or necessity. Our Good Shepherd is always leading us through every circumstance and stage of life. Now, of course, in verse 1, David leaves this statement open-ended. I I shall not want. I shall not want what? What? He doesn't give us anything. There's no object to the verb here. Leaving us to wonder, well, what does the shepherd provide? What is it that David isn't lacking? That's what the rest of the psalm tells us. That's what we're going to discover in the weeks to come. But this morning, what are you lacking? What are you lacking today? Will you submit to the authority of the good, great chief shepherd who is your creator? who wants to be your Savior and your sustainer, will you submit to Him this morning? Will you trust His compassion and grace to supply all of your needs according to the riches of His glory and grace? If you don't know Jesus as your shepherd, if you don't have 
just a certainty in your heart that you're a part of His flock, I invite you to come down this morning so that you can know you belong to Him. If you're listening on the radio or watching online, I pray you would contact us and let us help you know that Jesus is your shepherd. Maybe this morning you need to stop wondering. You've been wandering. You've been straying. You've been pushing the boundaries. You've been walking along some, some the, the edges of some ravines out there. You, you're getting stuck in some brambles in the world. Maybe this morning you need to come and just surrender and let the good shepherd find you and rescue you. Maybe this morning you're wounded and weary and you need to let the great shepherd bind your wounds <clears throat> and strengthen you. Maybe this morning you're a a follower of Jesus Christ, and you've been worshiping with us, and you realize that God would have you to join this flock, that He wants you to unite with this local flock, we would love to have you come and to join us here at First Baptist Thompson. So I want to ask you to stand and pray with me. Let's prepare our hearts to respond to whatever it is the Lord has said to each one of us, and you come as God leads. Father, we are so thankful for your goodness and for your grace. We're thankful that you are our creator, our savior and sustainer. And you are the shepherd who laid down his life for his sheep. That's how much you love us. God, if there's anybody here this morning that needs to put their faith and trust in you and turn from their sin and allow you to come into their life as their shepherd, I pray they would do it this morning. And whatever other things you've spoken into people's hearts today, I pray they would respond during this time and even as they leave and as they go into their week, that they would follow your voice and trust your care. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.